0: Today on the Talent Cast, we be the immovable force or the the unstoppable object, I can't tell. But job postings, can they be better or is it just simply inevitable that they suck? Hmm, I think we can do something about it. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast. I'm your host, James Ellis. This podcast has one simple goal, to change the conversation around recruiting, employer brand, and hiring. Simple as that. The only way we can do that is by making this a 100% no-pitch zone, meaning no one's making any money, no one's giving any money, nobody's sponsoring anything. So please, come join us, come learn, come engage in this conversation, come grow our industry with me. Uh, If you want to talk to me, I'm on Twitter, at TheWarForTalent, or you can look at our website, thetalentcast.com. Otherwise, let's get to it. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. So, bit of housekeeping. Please don't fast forward. I have a toothache, and I'm uh, pretty full of antibiotics, and I'm pretty sure there's a root canal in my future in the next, let's say, week. Um, So, apologies if I sound a little weird. Uh, (laughs) There's that. I'm also, because of that, a little low on coffee, so... It's not it may not be my best episode, but let's chalk it full of content and see what we can do. So let's jump right into it. Yeah, job postings. Okay, jump. Let's start off by talking about the difference between job postings and job descriptions. And I don't think this is an academic exercise. Job descriptions are legal documents, right? They tell you what the description of the job is. They're important because if you if someone decides to sue you because you they say, hey, that thing where I have to lift something heavy. It wasn't in the job description, you just added it to keep to to let you fire me and discriminate against me, that's illegal. And that is. So you have to manage a job description such that you are defining what the role and the expectations of that job are. That's a legal document. And like all legal documents stemming from the Magna Carta, they are impossible to read. No one wants to read them. They no one goes, you know what? Uh, I'm going to read uh, the Constitution for funsies. That's just a lot of fun. It's, just a, it's, a, it's a page-turner. It's a page-turner. It's a fun one. The statutes, the, uh, the laws and stipulations around anything are atrocious to read. Job postings are no different. They're legal documents. Okay, HR may write them. HR may own them. But they are, they are there to protect us from lawsuits. That is all. That is all they're there for. Truly, that is all they're there for. They have ancillary benefits like they help describe the job and help your HR business partners understand what exactly your team is doing and who does what and what they should be doing. And maybe they can use that to some extent to kind of find, hey, you need some support here. Or you need some help here. Or you don't have enough uh, people in this for you. You have to over- too many people in this space and we have to kind of reshuffle and refigure out. Whatever, but it's a legal document. Why you're using your legal documents as marketing devices is beyond me. That is absolutely insanity. Absolutely nuts. It's totally crazy. Don't do that. No one says, hey, you should buy the new iPhone. You know how you know why you should read here's read the the the, the, uh, the use end user agreement. They don't use that as the marketing. That's the thing you put at the end of the thing. That is the thing you say, once you've bought it and you have to activate it, you have to say, I agree to these terms and, and, and to be Tim Cook's, Cook's uh, cabana boy and, and do all the things and this, that, and the other, and I'm you know uh, obligated to spin around three times and buy the next phone and, and rave about my product or whatever those terms and conditions may say. No one's actually ever read them. No one uses them as marketing devices anywhere else, so why do we? Why? Because we're lazy. Prove me wrong. No, okay. Uh, so don't don't be that person. don't Don't be lazy and then complain about it, right? So you, I'm assuming, because you're listening to this podcast and because you are good at what you do and care about what you do, you want better, right? No one listens to this podcast going, "Tell me what I should keep doing in terms of the status quo." Nope, that's not what we do here, is it? That we're all about the future. We're all about pushing forward. So let's think about better job posting. So first off, they are marketing. Documents and I think the first lesson they should teach everybody in marketing after the first, the primary rule is whoever knows their audience best wins, and that is true, and that does apply here. But truly, no piece of market, every piece of marketing needs to understand what its purpose is. Meaning, the headline is not there to solve the problem. It is not there to define the document. It's not there to explain the answer. It's not there to. uh, It's its only reason is to exist is to get you to read the first paragraph. The first paragraph's job is to get you to read the second paragraph. The second paragraph's job is to get you to read the third paragraph. The article might be there to get you to be interested in a product to help you, encourage you to do some research. The research is there to help you understand and see how this product might fit in your world such that you can actually reach out to a salesperson. The headline that tries to decide, I'm going to tell you what this paper is all about or I'm going to encourage you to call the salesperson is trying to do too much. And that is bad marketing. And I only bring this up because, unfortunately, most of our job postings are trying to do exactly that. In the same way that a resume is not there to get you the job, the resume is there to get you the phone call. And the phone call is there to get you the interview. And the interview is there to get you the offer. And the offer is there to get you the job. And trying to write a resume that jumps all those things that you have to go through to get straight to the job is missing the point. It's a bad resume. It's trying to do too much. It's not focused on the one true purpose it has, and that is to get you the phone call. Right? Okay. Same thing on our side of the fence. The job posting that tries to define everything is wrong. It's a marketing document. And as a marketing document, it should have a good headline. And that headline should not describe the job. It shouldn't necessarily have what the title of the job is. It should give you a reason to read the first paragraph. That's all. That is all. Now, you can certainly pull the whole free pizza and beer headline meaning you advertise hey free pizza and beer click here and you click here and you get someplace and there's no free free pizza and beer that's a bait and switch and that's bullshit you don't do that because you're a good person right is it effective marketing well if you buy defective marketing do you define it as how many people click on the thing absolutely are any of those people happy after they clicked on it no then it is bad marketing so you have to write a headline that gets them to click but is real for example Let's say you are based out of Kansas City and you were looking for a VP of sales, or finance, or something fairly high up, and you know the person you want to hire is not local. You've met everybody local, and you're trying to bring in some outside talent. Let's say you're trying to bring in somebody from the LA, or the Valley, or New York, or Chicago, someone, quote unquote, quote, unquote, quote unquote, big boys, right, and one of those big players. You want to drive sales or drive finance by tapping into the experience coming from a massive company. You think that's your move, and I'm not going to quibble with it. Maybe you're right. So you're going to advertise in Chicago and L.A. and San Francisco and New York. What are you going to say? Here's a job. Well, well, they're new in New York, and they're in L.A. There are thousands of those jobs available. They exist. There's no hiding them. There's no, <laughs> there's no missing them, really. They have their pick. Why on earth would they talk to you, a company they don't know very much, in a city they don't know very much? Why? Why would they even read the job description? Well, frankly, it's not a job description. it's a job posting, but they shouldn't. Your job is to write a headline that makes them say, oh, I'm interested, wait, 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 hold on, tell me more. That's all you have to do. I once told somebody, our job from a marketing standpoint is to get someone to say, huh, and that's when you got them. That's when you've won the game, when you've cracked their preconceived expectations of who you are and what you are and what the job is and all that other stuff. Once you've kind of cracked that nut and made them go, huh, you're in. You can do anything you want. You've found the magic formula. And in this case, if you're trying to hire that VP of sales or finance, why isn't your headline, "Do you want a free trip to Kansas City?" Because you know, in the process of any of them you interviewing, you have to bring them over. You might even bring them over twice. That's a free trip. And if you don't leverage that, I don't understand. Cuz you know if they see that headline that says, "Hey, free trip to Kansas City," they're going to be interested. Or they might be. They very well might be, and they certainly will be a lot more interested in that, that than say, "Hey, here's a vi- uh, finance job," or "Wanted: One VP of Finance." And you're not. I don't. No way am I saying push this job on Indeed so a thousand people see it and you get a bajillion applications or people who want free trips. This is the job posting you hand to people. This is the one you do outreach with, right? It's the headline. It gets people's attention. It gets people to read the first paragraph. And once they read the first paragraph, what should they read? Now, unfortunately, most job postings, it's all the things they're going to do for you. And that's just rude. That's just mean. That's just that's just unconscionable. I mean, come on. It's like inviting someone in your house and saying, "Now you will do these things. You will clean the floors. You will use this bathroom or you will go this place and you will sit on that part of the chair and you will not spill and you will do, 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 do. Half of those things may be true and half of those things can just be unspoken, but that's not being a good host and that's really what you need to be to get people to apply, to get people to in the door to understand who you are and what you're all about. You start by being a good host. So once you have that great headline and when I say, hey, free trip to Kansas City, I'm not saying you put that on every single job. There are plenty of jobs that don't have the expectation that you're hiring from the outside or hiring from far away that involve travel but there's gotta be a reason someone would click on this link. There's gotta be a reason someone would continue to read what you have to say. You need to figure out what it is. Now, going back to the first rule of marketing, the person who knows their audience best wins, you have to know your audience. When you're, If you're pitching this head of sales, a free trip to wherever you are That's an intriguing pitch, and that salesperson, because they're a salesperson, and let's be fair, most salespeople are not exactly what you'd call shrinking violets, are going to be intrigued by that bold statement. Now, your new CHRO, your new head of compliance, eh, maybe not quite the same motivation, maybe not the same kind of personality, maybe they won't be quite so intrigued, maybe they will be off-put by such a bold statement. You want to pitch them with something else something that connects to their motivation. What is their motivation? I don't know. Your job is to know them better than other people. And that's the funny thing. Is and I think we talked about this last week. Recruiters know people so well. They know their targets so well. A good technical recruiter knows where those Java developers hang out or those Hadoop architects hang out. They know where they are. They know what they're like. They know roughly what age they are. They know... Um, are they more likely to be men or women? Are they more If they are men, are they more likely to have family or not? If they are women, are they more likely to have family or not? Who are they? Where, what, what, what do they look for? What do they hope for? Where do they go to school? What do they go to school for? Where did they learn this skill? What are they looking for in their next job? Most good recruiters know all that, which, by the way, is amazing and probably puts you in the, in, in top 10% of most marketing jobs. Most marketers have no clue truly who their audience is because they're trying to shoot for everybody. When you're in a world of quality, not quantity, and you're really focused on hiring one person for that role, you can get real damn specific, and you should. You absolutely should. You're not looking for any old uh, head of sales, you're not looking for any old head of compliance, you're looking for the right one. And once you've figured out who the best 5, 10, 15 people are in the world, and you want to go after them, you go after them personally. Now. Let's kick it down two notches. Let's talk about, maybe not entry level, but some experienced people. You still want to find something that taps into their motivation. If you're looking for the next, I don't know, uh, lawyer. You're looking for the next HR business partner. You're looking for your next recruiter. You're looking for your next, next risk analyst. You're looking for your next um, software developer too, right? You still have to know who they are and what they care about. You still have to tap in their motivations because what you care as a company about and what who you are is going to impact who you're going to hire. If all you are is cutthroat, you're not going to hire someone who doesn't appreciate a cutthroat environment. And that's going to tell you a lot about who you're trying to reach. If you're in a cutthroat software development or uh, organization or ecosystem, it's not all about support. It's not all about care. It's not all about how great your team members are. It's about, "Hey, we're going to push you to do the most amazing stuff ever." and it's going to be a tough place to work but you are going to get you're going to be so rewarded personally professionally monetarily that's a pitch that connects to those people's motivations does that connect to everybody's motivations no for some people it is about being surrounded by great smart people who support each other who help each other who around people who are willing to drop whatever they're doing to help you if in your time of need and vice versa and that's a very different pitch right? So it's all about knowing who you're trying to go after and what they care about. Once you understand what the business cares about and you start to reach out in a language that reflects what you care about, you're going to reach the people who care about those things, right? We go back to uh, SpaceX does not care that people complain about their long hours because they're trying to go to Mars. It's the hardest thing in the world to do right now. No one's going to get to Mars the easy way. No one's going to get to Mars eight hours a day. Nobody's going to get to Mars half-assing it. Consequently, if you're half assing it or you're not a thousand percent committed to this mission, get out. And it was pleasure knowing you. Bye bye. And that's totally cool because it's going to attract the 10%, the 5% of people who just want to do the most amazing work. And other people are like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good over here where I'm doing amazing work, but I'm doing it at 10, 8, 10 hours a day instead of 12 to 14, where I do get to see my family or I do get to have a hobby outside of it or whatever. Right? Everybody's motivated by different things. You just have to tie into that. Okay. So you've got a great headline and you've got and so you the question is what do you want them to read after that? What you want them to read is what I just talked about. What is the company about? Not necessarily what you do, though that's part of it. Not necessarily who your customers are, though that's part of it, but really what you care about right? If, if Goldman Sachs and uh, the local college is looking for project managers and both of those companies hire project managers, do you think they're looking for the same project manager? Of course not. The pitch to Goldman Sachs is you will be surrounded by insane people who are driven into insane lengths to achieve whatever goals they're trying to do. And your that job is to support them and make sure those things happen. That is an insane ask. Guess what? You're probably going to get paid handsomely. Or you can work for this college where, by the way, you are going to be surrounded by people who are academics who are looking to further the mission of the organization, the college, and it's going to be fairly safe hours. You're not going to work 12-hour days every day. You are going to be surrounded by people who care about the institution and generally care about each other. You're not going to be paid as much. Same job, though, right? On the surface, it could be the same exact same job description. But if the job posting must reflect the mission, The what do you care about? What are you trying to achieve? What is the purpose of this company? What is the motivation of the company and who are you looking for and what are they motivated by? So, first line, par- ha- killer headline that makes you read the second, first paragraph. First paragraph, describe the company. Now, for most businesses of any size, the next paragraph should be, what is the team about, right? So the purpose of the company is to achieve X, whether it's make a boat ton of cash or make the college better. In these, I'm trying to find two very disparate examples, right? Goldman Sachs and a local college. The next section should be what is the team trying to do? So if the organization as a whole, which may be a hundred people or ten thousand people, is trying to achieve X, how does the team support the organization? Why does that matter? Well, go ahead and look back at your surveys of what people care about and what they care about is the ability to make an impact, purpose, mission, reason for being and if they can see on the job posting level how this job supports this team and then how this team supports this company they can see the little through line that says how if i do a great job here it leads to something better for the company i can see an impact that's huge we just ignore that in most job postings and we need to not so headline First paragraph about the company. Second paragraph about the team. Third paragraph about the job. What is the job and how does it support the team? Because you've already defined how the team supports the company. What are you looking for? What are traits? What are attributes? Knock it out. If you want to talk about the culture, talk about the culture. If you want to talk about expectations, talk about expectations. In fact, you can write a whole book on that in that section, right? The next step is go- stage is going to be in every good job posting. You have the next two sections are obvious, right? They are. What are the qualifications or requirements or what are the roles and responsibilities, right? Those are the next two sections. Sometimes they get flipped, but usually it's roles and responsibilities and then qualifications. So here's the trick. And you've seen the data, so I don't think this is a surprise. If you say, we need you to have the following six criteria and you have five criteria, do you apply or not? Well, studies say if you're a dude, you do. And if you're a woman, you don't statistically. Right? This isn't everybody. Everybody's a little different, but this is a bit pretty broad paintbrush. But if you say everybody has to meet these six criteria, you plenty of people apply who don't, chances are most of those people are men. Most people who do have the six can be men or women. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the amazing person who, who meet, meets all those criteria is very rare. So people who meet most of them, are they going to apply? Are you open enough to show them how they apply? Here's what I'm thinking. By calling this section requirements or qualifications, it feels very legal. It feels very cut and dry. And in a world where dudes are generally encouraged to find ways to growth hack and break rules and bend rules and find ways around and, you know, go over, overcome every obstacle and, you know, go, 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 they're willing to ignore that rule because, you know, there is no backlash. There's no law. There's no, you know, job description cop going to show up and say, hey, you applied when there's Six qualifications. You only had five. Get in the car. You know, there's none of that. You know, there's no hey there, Mister. There's no there's no uh, Bobby. And I'm, I'm speaking to my my British friends here. And I'm probably rip It's mostly Monty Python, right? Let's. Most of my re- references are Monty Python. The IT crowd. Um, it's like, hey, what's all this then? Uh, there's no cop there. There's no cop saying you're going to jail because you broke the rule. But women, for whatever reason, and there's uh, plenty of literature to get into that, and I'm not going to be the person to get into that, for, just have, generally don't apply. When they see their six qualifications, they don't have all six. They stop. So what if we stopped calling it qualifications? Hmm. Now, obviously, this is a section where if you say you must meet these certain requirements. For example, if you're hiring a lawyer, I'm pretty sure you have to have, you know, and you have to have passed the bar, you need to say that you passed the bar. That is a legal compliance requirement, very simple. But what about the rest? If you have six criteria and someone walks in the door and they have five and they hit that at an A-plus level but number six they don't have, it's very possible that that beats the person who hits a B-minus on all six criteria. Which would you rather have, right? The person who's A-plus on five of the criteria and doesn't have the sixth or someone who kind of mediocrely has all six. I think the answer to that question, by the way, says a lot about you, and it says a lot about your company. Anywho, um, there's no reason why you wouldn't dismiss out of hand the A-plus player, even if the average says that they may not be an A, right? So how do you encourage people to see this qualification section, this requirement section, less as a, uh, a limitation but more of a description of what you're looking for? What is the job really like? What do people who are good at this job generally know X and generally do these things and generally have skills around this area, right? So I've done a little research and I'm going to steal something from Sephora uh, who I think do an amazing job, not just because uh, they're an amazing retail company and I have and, and it's, it's, it may be weird for a dude to say that Sephora is one of the best retail experiences I've ever had in my life, but truly I've been saying that for close to 15 years now. Um, they have incredibly numbers around women hires, especially in the tech space. Some numbers I've seen says 70% of all the developers and engineers are women. Now, I don't have firsthand knowledge of that, And I'm sure there's a million things that go into that factor. However, I can tell you one of them that probably has something to do with it is the fact that they don't have a qualification system on their job descriptions, on their job posts. They call it, we're excited to talk to you if you you have the following. Now, that really changes the shape of that bar, doesn't it? Not qualifications or requirements, but hey, we'd really like to talk to you if you meet these things or if you have some of these things. Right? When you do that... We're kind of saying, hey, the machine that decides whether we talk to you or not talk to you isn't making the decision. A person is making a decision. A person can make that judgment call that you have five A pluses and one F versus six B minuses. A person's going to make that call. A machine's usually not smart enough or usually doesn't have that much fuzziness baked in to find those opportunities to be amazing at this criteria. Or even better, the recruiter who reads the entire resume, even if it in 30 seconds, sees a seventh skill set that you hadn't even thought of and says, this would be amazing to add to what we're already doing, and we didn't even think of it, or we didn't think we'd have any shot in hell of finding this person, but here they are. Oh, we can find a way to supplement that place that they lack, but here we have an amazing opportunity. Machines don't aren't good at that as well. They're getting better. There's a lot of fuzzy logic. There's a lot of machine learning happening, and it's getting better. But right now, this kind of model is saying, we're excited if you have the following, says a person is helping make these decisions. It feels human. The process feels human. You know who responds to that? People. Men and women respond to that. But what's nice about this is you're doing a better job not excluding women and other underrepresented minorities which, by the way, might be important to you. Just saying. Okay, so now you've got that section. Oh wait, we're not done with that section. What if, when we say, must be an amazing communicator, right? And don't they all say, must be an amazing verbal and written communicator? Why? Not why do you need, not why do we say that stuff? Well, we say it because everybody else says it, and it's nice and safe to say it, but why do they, this, does this job need excellent written and, and spoken communication skills? Is it because this is a job where you'll communicate with other human beings like every other job pretty much in the world? Well, okay, so maybe it's not a requirement. It's a nice to have, it's a helpful to have, you can see value. If it turns out you're an amazing writer and a horrible speaker and that's okay, isn't that complicated? But I don't know because I don't know why you're needing these written and verbal communication skills. Is it simply, this is a job in which you're going to tell people what to do, so you need to be able to, tell, to communicate with them. And we presume, because that's how we've always done it, that you'll need to do it via written and uh, uh, spoken communication. What if you're deaf? What if the most amazing character candidate here is deaf and they have no effective verbal skills? However, they're an amazing writer. Why? Because chances are they've had to write a lot more than someone who can speak really well. They've honed that skill. They've seen that, the vet, that they can't write, speak very well. They're not getting their message across, so they've honed their writing ability. That's just natural because they've used it more, right? I'm not saying deaf people are natural and better writers, but because they're deaf, they are be forced to write a lot more. Consequently, my experience is when you do something a lot more, you tend to get better at it. What if... Turns out you're going to manage these people who are remote. Do you really need a lot, as many written communication, or as many verbal communications? Could you do most of this management via writing? Possibly. So here's the trick. So instead of saying this job requires excellent written and and spoken communication skills, you need to say, oh, oh, my computer's being goofy. It keeps trying to pop something up. My apologies. This is a live recording, right? Uh, What if instead of saying you must have amazing written verbal communication skills, you say, we really need people who know how to communicate to their reports and to their managers. Hmm. Or who need to communicate the value of our offering to c- potential clients. Hmm. That's interesting. Now, not only are you talking about the skill itself, you're talking how you use that skill. And someone who does have that skill can say in a cover letter, in an interview, in a resume, hey, I use this skill to do similar things like that. If you say, I'm looking for someone who's a, an amazing written communication communicator and turns out they wrote a novel, well, that's great. If you need a novelist, most business communication should be pared down about three sentences and shut up after that, right? Do you need a novelist? But they're an amazing written communicator. But if you say, we need a written communicator to make sure everybody in the company understands why we're changing this rule or why we're meeting compliance needs well that's a different set of writing skills written communication spoken communication i'm i feel very comfortable speaking to a room of 500 people but as you know in this podcast i'm not necessarily a smooth r- verbal speaker i stumble i have weird metaphors i have false stops i don't you know i'm I, 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 right there see right there i go too fast Am I good at one type of verbal communication? Yes. Am I good at all of them? No. God help me if I try to sing, for those of you who heard my last podcast. right? So if you say, this is the skill in service of this idea or this task or this outcome, that's incredibly effective. Suddenly, someone who might not say, I'm an amazing written and spoken communicator, says, oh. I'm not a novelist, but I know how to write bullet points, and I know how to write an email that gets people to do things, I guess that does make me, in this case, an amazing written communicator. Quick interruption. The goal here is to change the conversation around recruiting, hiring, and employer brand. The only way we can achieve that goal is with your help, and that is not with money, not with sponsorship. No, 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 no. It's to just simply share us and review us simple as that. Just review us wherever you get podcasts, share us on social media, say nice things about us or complain about us. That really is completely fair. Uh, that's all we really ask. That's all. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, let's get back to the show. All right. Last section, right? Last section is how does this job work? What do you, and that's, that's the thing is that it's very complicated. This idea of requirements and duties, right? They're all mixed up. Why do we separate them? Well, mostly I think it's because the machines can kind of sort out the people who know email and Outlook and Word and Excel and all these other skills they are quote-unquote skills. They know HTML. But HTML to do what? Is it to write an email? Because HTML to design email templates versus HTML on how to design websites or versus HTML on how to build uh, mobile apps? They're very different sets of HTML skills. And even though you can say, I know HTML, that doesn't mean you can immediately say, oh, you're, you're a great web page designer? Great. We have these emails we want you to write. Well, that's, that's different. <laughs> it's very different. It's the difference between someone who says, I'm a great mechanic. Great. Uh, car, truck, or civil? I'll wait. They're radically different. If you say must be a great mechanic to help support the, design, the, the manufacture and or repair of large trucks, that is a very specific understanding of what that skill and how that skill is used for. And when you do that, people can start to understand what is the job. And it's no longer about you will, you will, you will. It's we're excited if you have. Suddenly, the positioning is radically different. It isn't we have all the jobs, therefore you listen to us. And if you listen to the last podcast, you understand that that's all gone. It's got to be a two-way street. It's got to be dancing. It's got to be, hey, we really need someone who can do these amazing things. And by the way, we should be threading to say to what ends, right? If the company is, you know, your your first paragraph talks about how we're a company who's trying to do X and Y and Z because we're trying to grow and we, we want to help our people grow. Suddenly, it's a it's a dancing situation, not a boxing situation. You're not being antagonistic. You will have those things, and you will be doing these things, and we will, you know, review this stuff, and we will... Blah, 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 blah. It's angry, right? Most job descriptions and job postings can be read in a very angry voice, and it would be completely appropriate. Very few are whimsical. Even when they have a funny joke in it, they're rarely whimsical. They're rarely about, hey, this is kind of a crazy system in which we live, and that's cool, but we're going to figure this out together, right? Cool. And that's the voice you want, right? Even if you're focused on cutthroat, you still got to say, look, this is all super crazy. You know it's a game. We know it's a game. Let's game this out together. But let's find a way in which we can work together so that the first day at work, you're not angry at us because we put you through a gamut of bullshit, right? It's dancing, not boxing. Listen to the last podcast, blah, blah, blah. So that's how you write a better job posting, I think. But I'm not done. There's a whole other part of this and I don't have an answer for you, by the way. Spoiler. There's a whole other part of this that we usually don't talk about, and that is once you have a better job description, how do you ensure it goes out there? Now, every business is different. Every company is different. Now, some of them are big and have HR business partners and compliance people and compensation and benefits people and you know, recruiters and all these people who have some sort of uh, role in the launching of a new job rack, right? But rarely is it defined that someone's job is to write job descriptions. I mean, me. I haven't haven't come across that. I have not seen a wreck out there that says we're looking to hire a professional job posting writer. I wish there were. I really wish companies would think that way. Uh, I really wish there were freelancers who I have never met a freelancer who focuses their entire business on helping businesses write better job descriptions by writing it for them, right? (laughs) I think they should. There should be a whole business for that. And there's a huge market for that. I think most businesses would love to pay, I don't know, 10, 20 grand to say, give me the library of job descriptions that are in our voice, that connect to our motivations, that explain who we are. Sure, it takes you a month to do, but you'll be paid pretty well for it. Wouldn't that be amazing? We need to see more of that. Anyway, so once you have better job descriptions, how do you ensure that they actually get used? Why? Why do I even bring this up? Well, because you and I both know most job descriptions are theft. Right? They're stolen from old job descriptions. They are stolen from other job descriptions. Or God forbid, they're stolen from other companies' job descriptions. Right? No one knows what, how, to, how to write one. Everybody's terrified of a lawyer saying, you're not allowed to say this or not allowed to say that. So what we do is we find stuff that's already been vetted by somebody and say, cool, we'll just steal that and off we go. And that's atrocious and a little sad. So let's say you get through the process of going through this and writing a better job description with a good headline and it's an eye-catching headline that gets you to read the first paragraph. And the first paragraph really d- defines the company really, really well. So you're like, man, I'd want to work for this company. And then here's the team that supports that company and here's the role that supports that team and how they work in that team and, and what the, the culture is like. And here's why you know what you need to have in order for us to really be excited to talk to you. And here's what the job roles and responsibilities are. And here's the link and blah, 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 blah. How do you make sure that actually goes live? there's no good answer for this and the truth is first step is you need to define someone inside your process who owns the job posting not the description not the rec though certainly there's no reason not to overlap but the job posting if you go and map who owns the rec and who owned how a rec was live you know it's like one of those uh, uh you know how <laughs> where does a bill come from the saturday uh, what is it called Saturday Rock? No, what am I? Schoolhouse Rock. That's what it is. I'm just a bill. I'm on Capitol Hill. For all my people outside of North America, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but Google it. Um, schoolhouse Rock. How to, you know, how a bill becomes a law. It's just a song, right? In the process of how you start a law, it's blah 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 step, step, steps. It's very complicated, and then for most people, it's everything they know about uh, civics and political science. Anywho. There needs to be a process in your rec development in which someone says, you're responsible for the job description, HR business partner, and you, whoever you're going to be, whether it's a recruiter, whether it's an HR business partner, whether it's comp and ben, whether it's something else, are responsible for the posting. Meaning, you need to be able to think at a marketing level, understand this model I just sketched out, be able to write something and put it out and manage to hold it. Then you need to put in process some sort of step that says, "Hey, no one's allowed to push a job description out unless it's approved by this person." You have to have some sort of quality assurance. Can you spend a boatload of money on something like Textio or some other tool that helps you write better job descriptions? Yes? Should you? Maybe. I there's valid reasons why you wouldn't, valid reason why you wouldn't. It's not free, it's not cheap, but if you can make it work, if you have the kind of volume, there's no reason why you wouldn't do it. However, it doesn't delineate well how the structure works, only what the language is, and you'd have to pay every year to keep it as a library. Again, pluses and minuses, your mileage will vary, your company will vary. If you can't afford to keep it in a library, You have to make your own, whether it's in a Google Doc, whether it's in a Word form that you own, but you have to manage that process. You need to keep it up to date. Now, by centralizing it, there's a lot of value. For example, that paragraph at the very top that talks about your company, your internal comms is going to want to have a hand in writing that bad boy. Just telling you, spoiler alert, they're going to want to have something to say about that. They're going to want to review it. Heck, they might even want to write it for you. Just so long as it is well written and gets people to want to read the second paragraph and it shows what the impact of this company is trying to make, let them. Let them play a part. Just don't let them be an obstacle. The trick is, six months from now, a year from now, a year and a half from now, something in that language will change. Whether it's the brand, whether it's some of the language, whether it's some of the boilerplate, well, something will change. And internal comms will want to have a say in that. And if you have all these job descriptions floating around amongst 20 or 30 or 40 recruiters and HRBPs, best of luck saying, hey, here's the new paragraph, the new intro paragraph of how to define the company. It's a, it's a bit of a coin flip as to whether that even gets used. If you centralize that library, it's just a find and replace function in Word or Google Docs to say take this paragraph out and replace it with this. So you can ensure that all your stuff is up to date. For example, let's say you're a public company and you have a stat that says how many customers you have. And every quarter, if you're a good company, that number generally moves up, right? Now if you say you have 1.3 million customers, And next quarter, you have 1.4 million customers. You have to go back and change all those things. However, that level of specificity and detail says this is a real company, they really know their numbers, they're willing to be open about it, that's great. That's powerful, that's useful. You just have to be in a process that you can say, oh, new quarter, I gotta replace that number, I gotta replace it across the board. And then you have to get some buy-in with the internal comms team to say, look, we all have to agree that once a job gets posted, it's a pain in the rumpus to go in and change it. Most pro- ATS, ATMs, or ATMs, ATSs, you have to go in, you have to unpublish it, you have to make the change, you have to make the billion, billion approvals, it can take an hour before it goes live, it's a pain in the ass. You don't want to do that. You want to set it and forget it. You want to say, once it's live, it's fine. But you know that once a job goes out, at some point you're going to fill it and close it. So you have to have an agreement amongst you and the comps team to say, look, every number will not align up. We don't automatically do it. We simply don't have the manpower to go in and change all existing job wrecks the day you launch quarterly numbers. And if they're cool with that, cool. And if they're not, you might have to take that number out and find a different way to describe the scale at which your company is operating. Just saying. It's a thing. And that's true of a lot of other numbers, a lot of other details you have to keep out. So centralizing that library is good, and allows you to control some of that library, and it allows you to place kind of a bottleneck in the process to ensure that you are the last touch on that thing to make sure you see that job posting and you replace language that doesn't fit and that you align whatever crappy gobbledygook is in there with terms that make sense and then align with the other job descriptions. You have to own it. Somebody has to own that. And you have to ensure that everything that goes out goes out right and you have to make sure. There's buy-in that says, look, we cannot change all recs at the drop of a hat. There's an attribution, not an attribution, an attrition model where jobs get filled and they fall out. And as the new rec gets opened, we will apply the most current language to it. That requires a lot of buy-in across the board. It's just a particular means of communication. It's not impossible. It's very doable. It just requires some time. All right. All right. Uh, wow, I've rambled on a lot about job descriptions and job postings. I must really like them or hate them. I can't tell. Your call. Uh, anyway, 37 minutes. That's a long one. So uh, like I said, we're, we're counting down. We've got about... Five or six more episodes to go before I take my summer break in July and August. If you have questions, if you have thoughts, if you have concerns, if you have issues, if you have subject matter thoughts, you know suggestions on what you want me to talk about, I'm all ears at the War for Talent or thetalentcast.com. You call it. I'm you're I'm around. You know where to find me. Otherwise, um, yeah, I got some humdingers percolating right now. So I'm trying to make sure every one of these is a is a is a slam dunk. Please tell your friends. Please share this podcast. Uh, if you were doing another podcast and you'd like me to, to come visit and talk and do this thing, find me. I absolutely want to do that thing. I really do. If you are friends of the podcast and you want, you think I should meet them and I should be on their podcast, tell me. I would love to talk to them. Yeah, I'm just opening it up. I'm, you know, just getting stuff ready. Anyway, um, yeah, that's all I got. I will see you next week, and I hope you have a great week, and hopefully my tooth will feel better then. It's hard to say that root canal is kind of looming like a dark cloud over my head right now, but uh, hopefully it'll all be good. So thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.